The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Discover your geeky haven with Toink.com. We've been delivering you the best products and all things pop culture for more than 20 years. Enjoy a wide selection of officially licensed merch from your favorite fandoms. We carry top brands from Disney, Funko, Marvel, and DC, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and much, much more. We also offer an array of exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. With all these collectible goods, you're definitely going to need a bigger boat. Dive in with code WINGEEKS15 to save 15% off your first order at toink.com. Welcome to another episode of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. How you guys doing? Not bad. All right. Still fighting the COVID, but... <clears throat> I understand that. It's um, a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yes, it does. Ain't that the truth? Uh, check out the homepage, WookieRadio.net. Right-hand side is our affiliates, <clears throat> such as Biddy Boomers, where you too could get yourself the Darth Vader with a removable helmet Biddy Boomer for 15% off if you use code WeebyGeeks, all one word, at BiddyBoomers.com. Of course, they got other great Star Wars uh, Biddy Boomers as well, Marvel, Disney, uh, Stranger Things, etc. A lot of pop culture stuff, but check them out. Also, too, you heard in our pre-roll, Toink.com, use code WINGEEKS15 for 15% off your purchase. Just there, and uh, I think Ken, you've got the pick this week. Oh, mm-hmm. last week was me with the uh, bonk tiki tiki, bonk story tiki tiki. In just a second, here, yeah, no problem. You should probably tell us before the show, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's actually there's two different ones together. The first thing that popped up because I've, I've looked at these in the past and they, they've been from other sites also, but they have um, the Star Wars Yoda and Chewbacca back buddies backpacks. And they're actually a backpack where the arms and legs reach around your shoulders and around your hips so that uh, it looks like they're riding on your back. These have been out for a little while, but these they're awesome looking. And I've seen um, people at conventions and stuff that have them. And it's just really cool. Uh, Hold on. Wait, guys. Um, we're getting a transmission in uh, smugglers three to uh, the transmission. Y'all want to repeat? Y'all coming in a little fuzzy? Hello there. Hello there. This is Brown Squadron calling in. Hey, Brown Squadron. Thanks for you guys showing up. Um, we're all we're all okay this week. No, no first order happenings here. But 
Um, Brown Squadron, you may know from Hyperspace Heroes podcast. Correct. Correct. We have Brown Leader, Scruffy, and DB joining us this week. How you guys doing? Awesome. How are you? Doing good. So uh, this week figured um, because Anthony, rural farm boy, um, put out the, the word that we really need to get the two shows together. Hey, we're always down for that. So uh, thank you, Anthony, for for the recommendation and hopefully we didn't have to make you wait too long to get them on the show. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. We recorded uh, our episode six review with him uh, <clears throat> late last week. And while we were recording, he, uh, uh, we have a section of our show where we uh, we have a collection corner where we talk about anything collecting. And since uh, rural farm boy there collects podcasts, um, as we all know on Twitter, yeah. uh, he talked about other shows that he listens to and we're all about uh, calling out other shows and promoting them. So he had, uh, while he was going on about uh, different pods, he uh, got struck with the idea to, to uh, hook us up with you guys. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we're not afraid to talk to other shows. So we, we love chatting with other shows as our history, oh. past history of other podcasts on the show will show. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> I'm hitting a loop, guys. Um, right. But before we go any further, <laughs> right on cue, Derek. Right on cue. You knew this was coming, Derek. I know. Um, you still logged on. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't make it any easier. <laughs> We we play an icebreaker. I guess it's sort of like an icebreaker game. Uh, whenever we have other shows on, it's or even other creators because we if when we get like Etsy creators on or um, other fan creators, we original content. We we do this a little icebreaker. Um, it, we call it Smuggler's Feud, and it's based loosely on the game Star Wars Family Feud. And essentially, the way it's played, uh, we take a game card from Star Wars Family Feud game. Mind you, don't think too hard about Star Wars with this game. <laughs> Sometimes it will come back and bite you in the, in the womp rat. Um, instead of one side going until three strikes and the other side and trying to rack up points, we go back and forth alternating. Uh, either get the answer right or answer wrong. Game ends with whoever gets three strikes first. Unless in the same round, both sides get three strikes. And it's the tie break is whoever got the highest answer. And I think that's probably the cleanest I've explained this game yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to uh, writing all that down? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that was as clear as the mud on Memban. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> When you have two surgery, when you have two surgeries in two months, um, apparently the mind gets a lot cleaner <laughs> during recovery. So uh, I have three cards sitting in front of me, and I will let whoever from Hyperspace Heroes pick a card. One, two, or three. Let's go with three. All righty. By the way, if you're wondering, yes, it is a trap. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> um Eight answers on the board. Name something you might eat while in space. You might eat? You may eat in space. Oh, man. It's not going to be a fun one. I'm I'm going to correct this to eat or drink in space. Star Wars universe or real life? Both. You never know. Mm-hmm. Remember, this game was not designed for Star Wars fans. It was designed for to be popular for everybody. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I said both. So All right. there are Star Wars answers on here and there are non-Star Wars answers on. So Hyperspace Heroes, you start us off. How about uh, freeze-dried ice cream? Tip yep. They've <laughs> changed the batter on the tip yep. A little too pepper. Um, so we're going tip yep or ice cream? Let's go with the tip yep. Thanks. For also, it. Mike should have told you guys that this game was actually the one version he has came out right after the Force Awakens. Mm. So there's yeah. no Galaxy's Edge stuff in this at all. Sure. Right. So are we so, up? Wookie Radio. What do you think, Derek? Blue milk? Mm. Most common food that anybody in the world would have heard of for Star Wars? Yeah, sure. Why not? Number four. How many answers are there? Eight. Okay. We'll back be to, at this for a minute. Back to hyperspace <laughs> heroes. Back to our side. Back yep. to your side. Bantha. What do you guys think? Bantha. Mm, okay. Mm. Scruff, you, you're you're cut out. <laughs> all right, I'm out. That's all you got to do. We've been trying to figure that out for years. Yeah. <laughs> Not so easy. What you got, Derek? Let's go with. This is a tough one, actually. Mm -hmm. Let's go with. Let's try a mundane one and go with hamburger. Back to hyperspace heroes. (laughs) Oh well, then we got to go with Tang. Oh, it was it was invented for space. Yep. What? <laughs> well, he radio gets the win, but and give them one last shot to. You know what? The one they threw out there, but never actually used it as an end answer. Let's use astronaut ice cream. Number five. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, the other answers. Number eight, bread. <laughs> okay. <laughs> think, oh, think about that's what Ray makes with that in, that ten second bread proportion. <laughs> oh, yes. True. Okay, the portion. That portion of spread. Uh, number seven, Jawa juice. Mm. Oh, what? Which, funny yeah, enough, they served at Dexter's um, Diner. Remember? Yeah, but I never would have guessed that. But they, no, did, no. but they did not serve it at Ogus Cantina. Yeah, but Ogus Cantina didn't exist when they built this game. No, but Jawa juice existed because yeah. of the prequels, but it's not served at Ogus Cantina. That's because when they made Galaxy's Edge, remember they were trying to stay away from the prequels if they could. Yeah, but there there's other things from uh from the films, other drinks from the films that are in the yeah. cantina. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, space food. <laughs> okay. Number two, ration packs. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding. Oh come on. Number one, protein bars. You should not be surprised by any of this, Derek. Mm. I know, but uh, this was the worst one. <laughs> who said who said earlier it's a trap? I would have been there. Uh, who said earlier not to overthink it? Right. That would be I, me. I did yeah. not hear Minoc nor Porg in there. So. I was kind of hoping to hear oh, Porg. Porg was on my list, but I was like, nope. Porg, we're, Porg we're overthinking was this. after game was made. Oh, Porg was after. You're right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, I guess to start us off, let's talk a little bit about Hyperspace Heroes. How did you guys get started? How'd y'all meet up? <sighs> So we all work at the same place uh, up here in uh, northern Michigan, and we're all Star Wars dorks. And uh, we work in the same business, but we work in different departments. And although we interact, um, typically they're 
uh, Scruffy and DB's bosses start giving me the uh, side glance if I'm hanging out in the office too long, uh, nerding out over Star Wars. So uh, with so much new content coming out a little over a year ago, we got to chit chatting and I said, uh, propose the idea of let's, uh, let's, let's do a podcast. And uh, we were able to convince our wives into giving us a couple hours a week uh, down, <laughs> down in the basement to uh, start recording episodes. And so it's our chance to just kind of uh, do our thing once a week. And uh, we've been doing it just a little over a year now. June was our one year anniversary. We originally started off as Alder on A-Holes, uh, rebranded after about 25 episodes. Um, Rural Farm Boy was actually our first guest um, on episode 25 of that show as we uh, as three old guys tried to figure out the technology and learn how to uh, download sound files and export into Wave and Post and all that kind of fun stuff. So the original uh, run of episodes is not the smoothest. I will say that for sure. <laughs> Nobody's uh, episodes are smooth. Exactly. So, uh, and then, yeah, around January this year, we rebranded as Hyperspace Heroes. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's our chance to once a week crawl down into our basements and get online and, and chat for an hour or two. Very cool. DB, Scruffy, anything to add? Well, personally, I think Mrs. DB appreciates the couple hours of silence a week when I'm down in the basement. So, it's a win-win. Oh, yeah, I'm sure she does. Yes. Yes. Is it on a night that there's shows that she enjoys watching that she could care less about? Um, mm-hmm. That That's every night. We stream everything. She can watch it when she wants. <laughs> <laughs> um, we really took off. Uh, uh, we really got into a stride, too, with guests and everything when we rebranded. And we also went in and, and attended uh, ICCC, which is uh, the Imperial Commissary Collectors Convention down in Nashville. Okay. And met a lot of started meeting a lot of other pods down there as well. And um, we have a segment, as I mentioned, we have a segment on our show collection corner. So we always talk about something collecting uh, main topic is typically whatever's going on. You know, if there's a show to review or uh, if there's no shows going on, we'll find other topics or we'll find a guest uh, to bring on. And uh, we've had quite a few guests guys, right? But I think we're yeah. 14, 15 guests so far, different podcasts. Um, so it's been fun. It's, it's been fun to just kind of branch out into the community, start talking to other people, get on shows like this. Um, we're going to be on another show tomorrow night, uh, which will be fun. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah. Um, so, and for, for me too, I like the networking, do a lot of it via Twitter. Um, as you're probably well aware, it's a pretty active community on there. Yep. So that's where we tend to have our best interaction mm-hmm. um instagram's slowly building as we're working it a little bit more uh facebook yeah it's just dead yeah at least for us yeah. uh it, it's it's dead we, we get some traction on facebook but uh the majority of it and instagram yeah i'm still trying to crack that as well yeah so, it, it, that's a hard crack yeah uh Derek, ken any questions for brown squadron of hyperspace heroes I didn't have any questions, but I had. Um, you guys talking about how um, try your wives give you this little bit of extra time? You know, the, one of the secrets is do a show with her too. I actually, um, no, I do. Um, all of us do an, uh, at least one other podcast also, and that, my other podcast I do Geek Watch One. Actually, it's myself and my wife and another couple geeking out. So my wife's as big a geek as I am. So oh, you got lucky. Got lucky. Um, well, my wife is not a geek. She's not. Uh, she uh, she. She's okay with Star Wars. She actually just watched all all, all the movies uh, not 
within the last year and a half or so. Uh, she's not a big Star Wars fan. Um, she supports my hobby. She supports the collection. She figures there's far worse things I could be doing than this. So she's a big supporter of it. Half the collection behind me is her saying, I think you need to buy that. <laughs> so I've got, I've got great support. But uh, yeah, no, she's, she is, uh, would, not, would not be doing anything like that. Uh, Derek and I completely understand that because our wives are the same way. That'd be fair to say, Derek. Mm. Yep. Well, yeah. yeah. I've, I've tried to pitch the idea of another show and of some for my wife with some of the inter- things that she that interests her. Um, but yeah, there's nearly no interest. Uh, I, I also do a second podcast by myself as I drive under a different name. Um, and it's really just kind of a, a dad vice, uh, eight to 10 minute thoughts while I drive for my kids. One of them actually listens to it. So I'm considering it a success. And, uh, <laughs> since, since they're all adult children now and out of the house, it's, uh, you know, and plus it lets me just kind of brain purge as I drive into work before I get there. Very cool. So, yeah. I tried, I tried to do that, but I had too much road rage in it. <laughs> we uh all yeah I, as you heard i feel you on that one i applaud you because i've tried to do a podcast on my own i used to do a dc comics podcast with a friend of mine and um he wasn't able to continue doing it so i tried to do a couple episodes on my own and it just it died off real quick it's hard to do a show when you're just talking to yourself yeah it is and i i like i said it's kind of like life advice kind of stuff and i tried first time i tried it i really was trying to do way too much and uh, you know, 30 minute episodes. And it was just like, Oh, so I took a year off and reformulated and got the inspiration to just do it while I'm driving. And it's just, it's called, ram, uh, it's uh, rambling road thoughts and it's, I just, whatever. And I've been doing a lot of studying of stoicism over the last few years, uh, as a hobby. And so a lot of it kind of goes back to that as I'm exploring it. And then, like I said, my youngest, uh, picked up on it and a few of his friends actually listened to it. And, uh, um, yeah, it's been good. Cool. And you know, eight to ten minutes, twelve minutes depends on if I go into a rant or not. And uh, <laughs> you know, and, and believe it, and no editing. It's you hear the windshield wipers, the the turn signal, the the engine, you know, stuff oh, like yeah. that. But you know, it's uh, yeah. just record and post, vent I, and post. I I love shows in the raw. Yeah. Um, but like you heard with Ken, he he does another show um, with his wife and another couple, in which one member of the other couple is also one of my co-host on our Marvel show that I do called Mighty Marvel Geeks. And then Derek and I do a show called Weeby Geeks. And Derek, I'm going to let you plug your shows that you do on your own. I have a show called Keepers of the Fringe that I do with my best friend in which we talk about pop culture movies and stuff. And then at the end of each episode, we review a, quote, fringe movie, which is oftentimes in uh, an eighties horror film or something like that, that not, a, or sci-fi that not a lot of people may be aware of. Um, and, uh, there's a surprising amount of them out there. <laughs> and, um, my other podcast is the new England society of geeks, which is kind of a little hodgepodge of different things. Um, I do a, a monthly episode with a couple of guys on comic books and I do some other stuff with it. Very cool. Very, very cool. So I definitely want to check that out. I love these <laughs> horror movies. <laughs> so we are right now, we're doing our month long Halloween celebration. Um, and we cheated a little because we just reviewed Halloween ends, but you know, it's Halloween. So 
Have y'all done? Have y'all done killer donuts yet? Yes, we did that. Attack of the killer donuts. Did you do? Did you do that one about the uh, killer tire? I forget what it was called. Wheel or something like that. No, but I might have to add that to our list. My my. So my youngest, uh, he had a podcast for several years, and I actually learned a lot of little tricks from him when I was starting this one. And he did a movie review with his best bud. And they're just, you know, at the time they were 19, 18, 19 year old knuckleheads. And uh, but they both had an interest in the film industry. So they would do a lot of independent films, obscure films. Mm. Um, And they found this. Yeah, I forget. It's like tire or wheel or something. And I it's I guess it's turning into quite the cult classic. (laughs) It's epically it's epically terrible. I love it. (laughs) I I think I've heard of it. So, yeah, I'll. To put that on our list at some point. We've done like Velocipaster and things like that. <laughs> hey, we we've had some we've had some strange ones over on Weeby Geeks too with independent with independent yeah. film stars and film teams, and actually been quite fun films. Yeah, yeah. So, um, there's been some interesting ones. We ourselves are kind of behind on Andor. Uh, because we had a guest last week as well. And we just, because, and we ended up talking about uh, his Etsy store. Uh, it's that corner in Coruscant. Uh, it's Mario who owns that corner in Coruscant. Uh, it's got some great stuff there. I still need to order some decals for my water bottle from him. It's going to happen. It's got some great decals. Um, but we end up spending a lot of time talking about Galaxy's Edge because Derek just experienced his first time at, at Galaxy's Edge. So we just never got around to talking Andor. So we need to get caught up on episodes four, five, and six. You guys willing to join us on this journey of catching up? Absolutely. Absolutely. Will there be walking involved? Um, <laughs> no. Lots of walking and lots of talking. Walking and talking. Only well, on a people nice mover. Thing, nice thing about doing four, five, and six like this is, is um, I've heard it, rumors that this was done in trilogies, kind of. And that's yeah. basically, um, that's basically, if you watch, that's what this is. Like Especially if you saw number seven, episode seven moves in a, n- in a new direction again. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the first three was like the origin of Andor. Second three is this heist thing. Now the, number seven starts the next trilogy. Right. Well, there was an interview with Tony Gilroy, I guess, in Empire um, or podcast. And uh, from everything I'm seeing online, seven is a standalone. Uh, okay. And well, it's- that would make sense since there's 13. Yeah, and it's going to launch into a uh, how was it eight nine ten uh, another three episode arc after that, and then a two episode finale or something like that. I think I read somewhere. Well, if this is a standalone, mm. they could do two more uh, three episode arcs. Mm. Yeah. Is eight, nine, and ten, and then eleven, twelve, thirteen. Yeah, and oh, it, yeah. it's terrible that I can't. We can't talk about seven because there was some really interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I know. <laughs> oh man, the pork barbecue was crazy. I tell oh, you. Oh, <laughs> you had to spoil that. Oh, good. I've been waiting for that. Hey, we are the podcast. That is the one thing I've our, been asking for. <laughs> if you check out our t-shirts on um, the, where wherever our t-shirts are, Mike, where are the t-shirts at that we have? Is that T Public? Yeah, but they got taken down. Ah, uh, yeah. We had actually pork the other white meat t-shirt. Or oh, pork? No, awesome. it's pork. What's oh, for dinner? I would have bought one of those. It's pork. I what's for dinner? One of those. Yeah, I got taken down by Lucasfilm. They, oh, that's they awesome. Us, <laughs> they that's they awesome. hit us with the trademark on that. But yeah, Wookiee Radio still stays up. Right. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, <laughs> that is epic. I, hey, Mike, put up the image so they can see what it was. Oh, 
I know you have it on your computer somewhere there. Yeah, that's, that's going to be the tough one to try to find it. Um, so, Kim, why, why don't you start the discussion, since you got me looking for the uh, okay. org. Start us off well, on the uh, on, on Andor, getting us caught up. Yeah. Um, well, the second trilogy, it, if you guys didn't see it yet, I, why are you listening to us right now? You should be watching Andor first. <laughs> We're going to spoil <laughs> everything in it anyway, really? so... Um, a 24-48 hour roll is gone. So, Yeah, it is the heist one. And um, a lot of it really doesn't, just like a lot of the rest of the show, there's points where it moves like really fast and it slows way down. And it's like you're telling, it seems like this whole show is telling a two-hour movie over 13 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't have a major problem with. But the for me, it feels, I think it's because the way it was shot, technically, that it feels weird because it's like it's very muted mm. color palette. Like all the colors are um, like the, they're not vibrant at all on. I mean, I understand if you're using browns and grays and stuff like that, that's fine. But anything else we've seen in the Star Wars series is they're brighter, even with the dull colors. It's a very somber There's, feel. Yeah, yeah. it's um, lit very, very lightly. Like it's it's not dark, but it's not jumping off the screen at you. It is very weird the way it's done compared to what we've seen before. It's not DC, well, but then again, it's not Marvel. Right. And, you know, we, we, we mentioned this. We kind of asked about this in our episode six review, and we said, you know, and Scruffy said it right there, that the whole show has just kind of a somber feel from the whole production yeah. value, the storytelling, the character acting, the, you know, everything. Whereas, you know, traditional Star Wars space opera is all about, uh, you know, hope, right? And so... Mm-hmm. How long is there's nothing wrong with telling this kind of a story. And it's and it's kind of it's kind of stuff that we've wanted. We wanted dirty. We wanted gritty. We wanted somber uh, for years as older fans. But um, how much is too much, you know, before it gets kind of like you said, it's it does start to drag at times. And I think because maybe it's too much gray, too much dull, too much. Um, you know, and it can kind of wear on you when you're used to at least momentary hopes of moments of hope, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Star Wars, the one thing it's, I think there's two things that's missing is one Star Wars has always been adventure mm -hmm. and there's really not a lot of adventure in this. There's a serious lack of adventure. This is a very serious spy story or at this point, it's not even a spy story yet. Yeah. It's a serious story about the formation of the rebellion. The other one that is missing is there's very little fun in this. But the mm-hmm. adventure and fun go hand in hand. Right. And now, the, it doesn't have to be funny, but there's like no, there's not even any, there's no one-liners in it at all. No. And the it's music like took, is. completely took that out. There, what music? At this point, I've never exactly, noticed music. Exactly. The music is very muted. It's very bland. It's lacking. And that's what Scruff and I were talking about during the heist itself. You know, usually you go to any heist film, any heist film, and you get into the meat of the heist and there's always the up-tempo uh, music to to get you compelled and moving with the story, you know, in that fast pace as the heist is actually going down. And in this one, there really wasn't. And so it kind of, yeah, it almost, for me, I know when I was watching it, it, it I cracked a joke to the guys and I was like, it, it seemed kind of the, like the slowest heist ever uh, yeah. in, in a way. Uh, for me, the episode three, wrapping it up, the fact that they, they went with um, hard rock borderline heavy metal vibe for the song 
as uh, Cassian and um, the other guy, was it Lucius? Luthen. Luthen are, are heading towards this ship, you know, cutting through the town and all that. That, I, I found that to be an interesting choice because that's definitely the heaviest music arrangement wise that has ever been done in Star Wars. I'd have to go back and listen to it because remember, um, uh, John Williams used to rock and roll and almost metal in some of the um, Coruscant music and the chase music from it was episode two or three. He had the mm. electric guitar going inside. I mean, it wasn't uh, distorted or much or anything, but it still had the rock and roll vibe to it. Oh, and a couple of like the chase scenes through Coruscant. A little bit, but a little me, bit, it's more not, like the uh, difference between the Def Leppard and Metallica or yeah. Ministry or something. It was just that much of a difference. Yeah, this, <laughs> this was very, this was very noticeable. That's a good bit of a difference. <laughs> yeah. Love was, them both, but very different. This was very, mm. very noticeable. I mean, the, I have this, to go back and listen. Have they put out the soundtrack for this yet? Or uh, any parts of the soundtracks? I don't believe so. Hmm. But for me, it, it I mean, yeah, they did. To, it's about two seconds long. <laughs> yeah. To, to go what? To hit on what uh, Ruffy was talking about, I mean, there's a difference between Metallica with symphony orchestra and yeah, there you go, full blown Metallica without the orchestra. Yeah, um, kill them, kill them all, or ride the lightning. Yeah, I mean, if, if you or, heard, yeah, or, if you heard Metallica anything versus current Metallica, <laughs> that too. So, I mean, that's. That's what I was. I mean, I just found it to be a very interesting choice uh, at the end of episode three, and, and it kind of slowly carries throughout the other uh, the other episodes as well. And I, w- I wasn't hearing it until episode three, until that well, the end of episode is- three, and then it, it's it's been, it seems like it's been a predominant thing since then. Yeah. One of the other weird things for me, though, is it's um, we're saying this because we're finding these things that, are, that we're able to criticize about the show. I'm I'm enjoying the show, but it's weird. It's almost like I'm not enjoying it as a Star Wars show, just as a um, almost like just as a sci fi show with Star Wars elements. I totally agree with that. That is probably the best description I've heard I, so far. Yes. For me, all of those things are what I, I like about it, because it's not your typical adventure, you know, kind of thing. It's. This is this is a, a dark time in the in the the timeline when you know the empire is is fully in control and, and strengthening their grip on the galaxy and everything. This is pre-rebellion, so there's no real heroes yet per se, um, and and so I think it reflects that time period very well. Yeah. Well, and as, as we as we've talked about before with some of the collectibles or some. St- some of the new merch coming out <clears throat> from Hasbro. A lot of the figures, be it Obi Wan, be it even Andor, has the moniker of Dark Times. Yeah. Well, it's mm. maybe the Dark Times, but remember, this show is taking place at the exact same time as Rebel starts. Right. Which and is also, still like, uh, Dark Times. Look, um, Solo was dead center between the two. It would be um, in. Um, it was it was much darker lit, obviously, because there was no light. And somehow they had forgot to light the set for Solo at all, but <laughs> <laughs> but it still had the some of the fun and some of the things in there. Oh yeah, that it seems like they don't. Have, and I, it could be also Tony Gilroy. It could be the way he writes because this is a guy that gave us like the Bourne movies and things like that. It's just his style, you know. Yeah, and plus, uh, but but he wrote Rebel, Rogue One. Re- Rogue Rebels One involved had some stuff. Yeah, Rogue, but, um, Rogue One. Yeah. Rogue One still felt more like a Star Wars movie than what this feels like a Star Wars show. You know, in the back of my mind, it, that's been there the whole time that 
this feels like a born movie where we're slowly learning about stuff and then there's a, a burst of action and then it goes back to this all this exposition and it just feels like a born movie to me mm-hmm. born born had more action than this though True. Maybe that's what it's missing is that it doesn't have the actions because Star Wars also has always had a lot of action in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, like I said, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I can't wait to watch it every week, but it's just it's weird trying to wrap your head around. This is Star Wars. It is. um, This is the Star Wars I've wanted since Disney took over. It's just mm. lacking some action. It's lacking. It's just lacking that action. Um, you know, we can have a serious movie, but still have action. This is like a serious TV show with no action. All we do is walk and talk and then get someplace. But it's also not. It, it's also a length, you know, a 13 episode series. So, yeah, you, you know, in a way, because remember, they he said there are two uh, two seasons of this at 13 each to bring over five right. years. But, but what I'm also, saying is, so now we might in the latter half be seeing more action. Well, so. also, they originally they were planning five seasons for this show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this first season almost feels mm-hmm. like it, it's being laid out for five seasons, you yeah. know, because uh, uh, yeah. you look at you look at something similar like a, a Breaking Bad or, you know, uh, other things where it does take a long time and you have a lot of exposition filled uh, dialogue heavy episodes. Uh, and then those last couple seasons, it really ramps up and it's almost like they didn't Mm. adjust, almost like they didn't adjust from a five season concept to a two season concept in a way of speeding up that storytelling a little. And and we're enjoying it as well. I mean, I love it. It's a great show. Uh, it's got one of my favorite things that Scruffy rides me on a lot, which is, uh, what is it, Scruffy? Oh, character development, please. Let's have some more. <laughs> uh, and just for correction, it's going to be two 12-episode seasons. Oh, they are 13. 12. Okay. They are 12. Okay. You know, we're talking about the color palette, how it's kind of dreary. Um, and, and if you go back and watch the first three episodes with the flashback on Canari, there's a lot more color in, in those segments where, it's, you know, it's the Empire True. hasn't yeah. fully taken over, you know, the, the galaxy. Um, but not to make too weird of a connection, but if you go back and watch uh, the film version of Fiddler on the Roof, which takes place under czarist russia at the turn of the 20th century um it's the same kind of thing where you've got this empire um oppressing people and they actually shot that film with a nylon stocking over the camera to give everything a brownish blue hue and that's exactly Hmm. what the early episodes of, of andor remind me of as far as cinematic quality it, it almost feels it's like oh. the prequels are almost the same way. You know, Phantom Menace, very bright, almost too bright. Um, and then as we head into the finale of Revenge of the Sith, it's dark because we have the fall of the Republic. We have the start of the Empire. Um, it, it's become darker times, uh, whereas we're kind of seeing that a little bit with Andor, as you were saying, DB. Uh, flashbacks are brighter because it's still brighter times. Right. Uh, the Republic is just starting to fall. 
or, or, or that it's heading that way. Um, and then, of course, with the present time up until the end of the heist, it, it's it's a little more overcast because, well, the Empire is there, but they're not in control in this in these areas yet. And I, I see it getting a little darker as we move forward as the Empire's taking more and more control. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. So um, I... I think things that I I'm enjoying too about Andor is not only is this about Andor, but sub story subplot and with great character development is we're seeing more of Mon Mothma or more Mothma, yeah. uh, a character who you know very very little screen time in Return of the Jedi, who then makes a, an appearance in Rebels and then an appearance in, in Rogue One and becoming a vital character for this dark times era you now she she's coming out as as the leia so to speak of the dark times era well an interesting thing to add to, to ask you about on that one can you possibly see her taking um in fandom depending on if she gets some action and stuff going and we learn a lot more about her here Possibly taking a role similar to what um, Boba Fett did, because remember she had less time than Boba Fett in the show in the movies, but they've added little bits of here and there to the point where she may end up being that in fandom of that type of a character, where the fandom just grabs a hold and says, "Dude, this is phenomenal," even though they know like three minutes yes. worth of what she's done. Yeah, <laughs> I, thank you for making the point that was bouncing around in my head. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because hey. remember Boba Fett had what five lines in the original in uh, between Empire and Jedi both. Something like that, yeah. Well, it's like I was had like five minutes of screen time total, and, and where I was starting to head yeah. to, you know, with the prequels, your your female lead, your your main female leader is Padme throughout the whole thing. Yeah. In in the original trilogy, it's Leia. Leia is the the main driving force. Mm-hmm. In in the sequel trilogy, it, it's it becomes more Ray is, is the more predominant. So where where do we go for that Dark Times era? It's Mon, Mon Mothma. I don't think it's. No, I don't think because you gotta remember, at this point there is no Rebel Alliance yet. Right. It's all still splintered sections that are loosely affiliated together that they know who each other are, kinda. Because remember, you're not gonna get from this. But we got to remember, this starts the same place where Rebels was at. And at the beginning of Rebels, they were Harrison Dula was one cell that was really not connected to anybody else. It was just her and Kanan, and that's it. Right. But Leia's not a part of the Senate yet at this stage in the game. As far as we know. As far as we know. She's only 15. That doesn't matter. Could be at the moment. Remember, it's Star Wars. Padme was queen at 12. Right. Yeah. But that was in the Republic era. And remember, Leia was a junior senator before she became a senator, so she may be a junior senator already. Right. Remember, this is only five years before the Battle of Yavin. Right. So being fifteen, so well, Leia. I, I, Mike, I, 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 I see what you're going with that, and I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with it. And the fact that they're kind of trying to, it's almost like they're establishing a separate era just for this phase with the storytelling um you know that that is uh you know just like we have on the in between ot and sequel we have now the you know the mando filoni verse um era uh so it's almost like yeah like a dark empire uh, or dark times era and yeah and i I, I could very well see them. They, yeah, I think it's, they are positioning her to kind of be that, that lead female role. Um, 
somebody on Twitter today posted something about, you know, that she should be nominated for best supporting actress, Genevieve. And I was like, supporting actress, isn't she really kind of the lead actress? Of she this is show? the lead actress. Yeah. And, you know, this show, one of the things about this show, you, you talk about all the different stories. It's almost to the point at times where Cassian gets pushed to the background. He's kind of a background of the show that he's that it's named after him. And they're bringing right. all these all these other stories up to the front. Um, mm-hmm. And they're and they're getting as much screen time, if not more. Um, I'll accept corn pop. I wish they'd bring more, more <laughs> corn pop in, but um, that's what we call cereal. Is, no. uh, is that, that's pop. the one that's I'm. No. They got to do something soon because that character is like he's been in every episode, done absolutely nothing since the first three, except for wine. <laughs> except for sit there and yeah, wine and, and get, let and his get, mom, berate, um, get berated by his mommy. Yeah. Oh my! I cannot stand that character, and I think yeah. that's my biggest downfall with this whole, this whole, this whole TV series is that see, character. See He's the way trying this to outwind Luke. <laughs> I've been I've been seeing this. Uh, y'all were talking about Born. For me, I was seeing this as almost a male version of Aeon Flux. Mm. Oh, okay. With the super spy, how? Yeah, it's the show about her, but she she's borderline a supporting character. Mm-hmm. background character as much as she is a lead character uh, yeah. with it. And, and we're getting similar, similar concepts with some of the characters, mm-hmm. which I think fits with different spy, spy, sci-fi genres type aspects. Yeah. I, I can see that with all these diverse stories going on, Andor is kind of the common thread, but he's not always in the spotlight. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think because of what's, what's happening here, and what Gilroy is doing, it almost makes me appreciate the fact that Filoni and Favreau, with their side of things, have not put a definitive leader out there, male or female. Yeah, they're totally staying away from the government of the um, galaxy. The closest thing they're getting is Mesa, is Moff Gideon and Grief Karga. And Boba Fett. And what it is, is right, their yeah. leaders in their region. Right. Mm-hmm. It's really, Mandalorian is a much smaller story. It is. Yeah. On a galactic scale. Whereas this one actually is, this one does, that's the one thing they have done, I think they've done on this, was um, in the shows we've gotten with Boba Fett, with Mandalorian, with most of the, um, with the Rebels, uh, the Disney era television shows. It seems like we've stayed away from the main story of Star Wars, which they said they're trying to get away from the Skywalker saga. This story feels like it's right in there. It's part of the main saga story. Because this is telling you where the rebellion's coming from. It's showing where how the empire's growing. It's actually showing the main story, and it's this feels more like a, more of a galactic. Because you think Cassian, they make this heist in um, and it's this one. It's not a spoiler really for episode seven, but the galaxy feels the repercussions of that one heist. Right, mm-hmm. and it basically says, "Oh, there is rebel factions out there," and the galaxy noticed it. But it's already, it wasn't just this region noticed it. That's already being that's already been stated though with uh, the ISB agent. Um, what's that's her name? The, but the difference there, Mike, is the ISB knows that there's rebel cells out there. They're fighting. This is the first time I think that it's gone that everybody knows, not just intelligence. Right. The rest of the galaxy right, knows. Yeah. It was on the holonets. Mm-hmm. This guy, this they were not able to keep a lid on this one. Because yeah, I think honestly, to this point, the ISB and the Empire has squashed any possible news that there's people fighting against the Empire. They've been able to keep a lid yeah. on that, except in your specific little regions. So there may have been little rumors and stuff running around, just like the how they were able to squash the idea that there were Jedi. 
remember by in just 20 years it goes to the point where people remember the jedi as a legend these were they were supposedly right. these guys out there doing this but we don't believe that it's actually there i mean come on who could actually do something like this in 20 right. years they were able to do that so it, i think the empire at this point has no one knew that there was anybody actually out there that could uh, do something that the empire would actually notice Right. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm thinking this is this show actually does um, feel like it's part of the main story showing, hey, and, the, and this is a galaxy spanning show, even though it's taking place on like two places. But this is advancing the galactic story, not just um, the oh. region like what um, they do with Mando. Yeah, absolutely. And and Mando is a completely different beast. There was a mm-hmm. an interview with Greg Frazier, who's one of the main cinematographers of Mando. And and he talked about it in the very beginning when he and was discussing things with Favreau and Favreau didn't care about scale. You know, uh, he didn't care. It, he didn't, wasn't looking for big, massive uh, galaxy ending scale. He was just, he just wanted to tell a story. Yeah. He's telling the story of this one guy. Right. And it's a great, and it's a nice little pocket story. It's fun. You know, it, it's popcorn fun and, and it's a great, you know, and they have, we're having fun watching it. And this exactly. is just something completely different. And you're right. It is galactic scale at this point. And this is really the first time I think they've done that outside of movies i would have to agree with you there um yeah this would plug in if you're watching the prequels the sequels and everything this would plug right in there mm-hmm. whereas uh mandalorian Mando. and none of those would not yeah well mando technically if you take um moff gideon out and make just generic imperial and it could be any time in the timeline as long as the empires had it was in power somewhere. So this could be anywhere from the end of episode three all the way up until the empires totally quashed it right before um, the first order takes over. Mandalorian could take place anytime in there just about. There's a few things like the um, the um, struggle of Mandalore and things like that give you time reference. But other than that, it's a story that could have been any time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, this and or specifically takes place in this time because you see you're building to a specific point, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is why I think a lot of people that are criticizing this and it's like, I, this is I don't know. I love Mandalorian. I like the movies. Uh, this really, really doesn't matter to it. No, this one actually, I think, makes more matters more for the story of Star Wars than Mando or Boba Fett or any of the other ones at that point. If you're looking for actually right. the story of what is Star Wars. Right. And they've got to be really careful with the continuity because of that, Mm -hmm. Uh, because, you know, any any retconning or changing a continuity has much larger effect than those other Mm -hmm. shows. Yeah, it would incite a big nerd uprising for sure. <laughs> well, there, there there has been some some retconning, but I think in this particular case with Andor and being yeah, tied there, to there's been a little to Rogue One. This this type of retconning would, would be major butterfly effect and really and really screw things up. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know how you guys feel. For me, of the five films that we have gotten from the Disney era. If we want to call it that Rogue One and Solo were my top two of that, of those five, because Rogue One was that video game we always wanted to play or I always wanted to play. And it was was that story that I needed to, I needed told that I didn't know I needed told. Yes. Yeah. No, we're, we're on the same page. Which, Mm -hmm. which makes me want a, a movie that takes place uh, in conjunction with, you know, that runs the same timeline as the end of Empire Strikes Back up until right before the Battle of Endor with the Bothan, with the Bothans and their spy net on how did we get plans for the second Death Star? 
Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if, depending on how well this goes, I mean, there is a, a split in fandom right now a little bit on this show because there's a lot of people, like I said, they really like it or they really, really don't like it. But depending on what the overall lay of the land is when they're done with this, we may get that. If if there is enough buzz that people say, oh, we like, really like this, that may be where they go next would be, okay, well, we can do another spy show and do it a little bit later on and use the Bothans. Yeah. It also requires someone in within Lucasfilm or one of the creatives writing saying, hey, I want to do this. True. Because remember, yeah. Tony Gilroy asked for this. They, Lucas didn't go to – I don't think Lucasfilm went to him. I think he went to them and said, hey, let me do tell this story. Well, it, but to have uh, Diego Luna backing him up saying, yeah, I'll come back to tell this story mm-hmm. and, and throw money at it probably, did, probably didn't hurt either. So yeah. um, I loved in like episode five the whole um, – the trust issues mm-hmm. with, with Cassian. How well he, he's Clem. Of course, we know he gets the name Clem yeah. from uh, his adoptive mom's partner who rescued him. And, but the whole going back and forth, and and he seems to know more of what to do than the people who are putting this on. But yet, he's the most green of everyone because all he's been doing is these small small little things, trying to find his sister. Well, he's green. He's green to the particular mission, but he's got experience in pulling jobs um, yeah. because they were, you know, with Bix and uh, whatever jobs they alluded to back in the first three episodes, you know, because like we, even when he had the star pass, she's like, you're holding out on me. And, you know, so he's been doing jobs for Bix. So and he talks about, you know, to Luth and how easy it was to go in and get it, you know. So he's infiltrated Imperial facilities yeah. already. And he's understands when you've been through a mission and you've been through all those uh, jitter pre jitters, like he even talks about, you know, at the end of episode five, um, you know, the night before is always the hardest. Um, you know, these are all rookies essentially, and they may know in theory what they have to do, but they've never actually practiced in real life what they've had. They've never actually gone through the motions in a real life situation uh, with real consequences, whereas he has. And so Luthen was, you know, very smart on even though he didn't, even though Cassian had to catch up on the details, um, just the wealth of that experience and the calmness that it brings Right. Um, you know, into the mission was invaluable because they were, yeah, they had a whole bunch of plot points or uh, mission points that they were uh, the ship alone, you know, how are they going to launch the ship, you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, the morning of the heist, they were fumbling with the Imperial radio, you know, because they hadn't, mm-hmm. there was still definitely a lot of rough edges. Yeah, you know. even even Vel hesitated on giving, giving the go ahead, you know, when the heist started. Mm-hmm. Um, then the heist itself, I thought it was a uh, quite interesting. People were very quick in Book of Boba Fett to criticize zippers with the techno pits, <laughs> and yet here we have, you know, Valley One, Valley, yeah, there, Echo, Valley, yeah, Echo and Valley, Echo, and and the one group, their wetsuits have zippers. <laughs> Guess what? Yeah, I'm not seeing. Guess what? I'm not seeing. If you want to pick apart costuming, this whole show is very. That's the one thing I've noticed. Like with me, a lot of um, the weapons, Mm. a lot of the tech in the backgrounds and stuff, they're not they're not Star Warsing it up. If that makes any sense, as much as they have on other shows. Like you see, just regular table lamps sitting in the background, things like that. There's Uh, a lot of guns. Look like Mm. the the guns that they were using in 
in the heist here when they're sitting around the camp area look like standard rifles that you'd see grill fighters here on earth have because mm-hmm. they were even even exactly. the flask even the some of the back yeah like the, a lot of the background props were world war ii era pieces the flask that he gets handed at some point is an old world war ii flask um uh, and then in the vault area, the guards, a bunch of the stuff I read, a bunch of the stuff in the background there, some kettles and things are, are you know, World War II relic type things. Yeah. Um, and, and that goes with the whole the, the whole feel that they were going for that grounded realism feel in this show, as opposed to the fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, space opera fantasy. But, you know, there, who, who's to say zippers weren't a common thing even then? Right. Velcro wasn't, you know, any fasteners we would sure. use, I'm sure they yeah. would have used as, because, sorry, we look at Empire Strikes Back when Luke's getting into his X-Wing mm-hmm. pilot, his, you know, his pilot jumpsuit, he pulls up a zip that's right there. Right. So, yes, zippers, well, that's just, it, zippers that's have been just, around. I'm sorry, but that's just a stupid argument because, oh, they have zippers. Oh, who cares? So they it's have Star Wars. You don't know that they don't have zippers. It's, it's perfectly fine. Right. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, like I said, that stuff didn't bother me as much as, like like I said, the weapons and some of the other stuff that's sitting around that is obviously just right off the shelf here somewhere. Even if it's old, it's still something that came straight from Earth. They, did, they didn't even try to doctor it up at all. Uh, that was one of the things that bothered me a little bit, too, was just like they weren't even trying at that point. But some of the pictures I've seen, they, they did doctor them up a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. That could also come now down to um, the way it was shot. They don't see the changes. Um, the heist itself. What what did everyone think about the heist? I thought it was the one good episode so far. <laughs> yeah, that that actually straight up that one um, to me screamed Tony Gilroy because that felt like a James Bond, Born Identity, Mission Impossible type of episode. I yeah, lo- the tension was built beautifully in that episode. Yes. I loved. Yeah. I loved the scene with the Tie Fighter, the pilots jumping into the. Mm-hmm. Their I was going to say that the Tie Fighter launch scene that was awesome. That was so mm-hmm. cool. It's probably the outside of a video game. It's probably the, been the best we've ever seen with Tie Fighters. I would have to agree, hundred percent. Yeah, because yes. in anim- remember in animated, they were always landed on the ground and they climbed up on them and took off. Well, yeah, in, in, on ground. At times that we've seen them shipborne. Nope. The it, only ones we've seen, I think, launch some racks are um, the Force Awakens. Right. The racks. Rebels. There's different the weird wall rack thing. Yeah. Rebels had them launched from a rack. Yeah, that's what I said. The the live action though, the only time we've seen we saw it was Force Awakens, I think. I mean, Rebels it looked cool, but it looks so much better live. Yeah, oh, it was yeah, it was definitely awesome. I mean, and we we've seen them. Yeah, it was cool. You know, we we've seen jumping into them in racks with uh, the video games as well, but man, nothing like live. Absolutely loved it. Um, Was there an Easter egg in any of these three films that really stuck out to you guys that y'all liked? Films or in in these three episodes. (laughs) Oh, well, the Easter egg is every scene at Luthen's off or um, yes. shop. Yeah. Yes. Look in the background. I yeah. loved look. I loved yeah, oh, yeah. Through, uh, his his shop. Did, did you guys see the Indiana Jones Easter egg in there? I mean, it's yes. been all over yes. the internet now. Which one? Shankara stones. Shankara stones. <laughs> the the whip and carbonite. Frozen and carbonite. Mm-hmm. Yep. Any other Easter eggs you guys enjoyed? Uh, Cyril has action figures in his bedroom. Oh. <laughs> take, yeah. take, the, take the one I was going to. <laughs> in Cyril's defense, you know, Luke played with a toy spaceship in A New Hope. So, oh, yeah. In Cyril's defense, I got action figures in my bedroom too. So, okay. Fine. <laughs> no, no, no. Luke wasn't playing with a spaceship. He was he was um, working with a model to figure out exactly how oh. it would go through the canyon. 
Excellent, oh, that, excellent defense. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. All right. <laughs> how to make that? Because that was a model of his um, Skyhopper, if I remember right. Yes. Yeah. Well, that yeah. was the that was the Skyhopper yeah. that Obi Wan gives him. Yeah. So, I'm uh, I'm not sure if it's an Easter egg or not. Um, I, we talked about it on our other show, and um, I think I misquoted in the other show where I heard it from. I thought I'd heard it from this the Star Wars skinny, but I think it's actually Moisture Farm Report um, talked about. In Legends, there is a character named Sintas Vell who marries Boba Fett, and she ends up getting frozen in carbonite for 40 years. And you've got two characters, Sinta and Vell. So just, you know, wondering if it's a uh, just kind of a cool little deep Easter egg that the writers were when they were looking for names. Oh, wow. They're like they were looking like, hey, maybe we'll pull these names out because, you know, they pull stuff out of Legends all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, it, it's it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know if it necessarily is, but it when they mentioned it on their show, I was kind of like, that's that's actually very cool. Well, that reminds me of um, I flipped through the um, episode guides, which. Bravo to StarWars.com that they brought back the episode guides for this show. Because yeah. Obi-Wan, they didn't do it at all. Or Mandalorian. But, um, huh, or, yeah, or well, the Mandos, I think, had the episode guides. Yeah. But uh, in this, the episode guides, the trivia galleries on it, um, the one, I think it was episode four, is where they go through the spaceport. Uh, just a moment. Let me bring it up here. Because um, some of the stuff you hear, I guess you hear in the background at the spaceport when they're talking. Um, is this one it? Nope. Okay, so it's got to be the next one. Um, but it's all references to like video game locations and stuff. Yeah. Let's uh, see. So we're covering six. This is technically the halfway point. Uh, seven's already been released. Point. We haven't touched on it uh, only because not everyone's caught up on it. Yeah. We can't say anything or else they're just going to spoil everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who, Aha, here we go. What's one thing you would like? You don't have to see, but you would like to see before the end of the series. K2SO, sorry. <clears throat> He's supposed to be coming at some point. I not this season. Oh yes. I would like to see Cassian become the assassin that supposedly he is by Luthen, uh, having him go on a mission to end Mon Mothma's marriage and take Ooh. out Perrin, <laughs> and take out and take out Perrin. Yes. Yes. All right, that has officially okay. changed my answer now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. right, Aaron. two things i'd like to see and i think we're already getting it going back uh mike to what you were talking about um we're getting all this powerhouse mon mothma stuff and i i love that we're seeing her family background her real life you know what she did before the rebellion and and i think we're right. seeing yeah we're seeing a lot of her motivations that's going to turn her into the the steely leader that we see in return of the jedi for all of 90 seconds or something um but the other mm-hmm. thing is let's go back to the early episodes with bix who obviously andor's had some kind of relationship with her current boyfriend has just been killed by the Empire. I want to see, does this motivate her to become a rebel? You know, are we going to see her down the line somewhere? Yeah, scruffy. We got to see her down the line somewhere because she has an action figure. Um, you know, they really made a big deal out of that figure. True. Yeah, well, they also made an action figure of Phasma, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. I I, I really want to see K two S O. Was there maybe several? maybe Bix will be the Boba Fett of the series? <laughs> maybe I want. 
yes. I want to see K2SO. I want to see uh, where where he gets K2SO from. Uh, that was one of my favorite yeah. characters in that uh, in that oh, Rogue yeah. One. Me too. I me too. loved K2SO. I believe Alan Tudyk said it's not happening season one. Most likely season two. Oh, okay. Well, I might get it yet. So I could understand that. Eric, are you siding with Scruffy? And maybe there is a tease, and we're actually going to get it get K2SO at the end of end of the season, which Quite is possible. Possibly, yes. Quite possibly. So you going to stick with that answer as well? I know you mentioned no, K2SO earlier. I mean, that's my obvious answer, but really, I think what I what I'd like to see is um, I definitely want to see. I mean, it, Cassian's already starting to show some some signs of who he becomes, like when he when he killed uh, uh, what's his face who who offered half his money there, half of the money, and they could go. Skeeter, Skeeter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. The way the way he, he killed him was I was actually a little surprised by. Is it just it was just so sudden that he just pulled the gun and and blasted him? I was like, oh, yeah, it was oh, a pretty, okay. it was a pretty brutal kill. So and then turn around yeah. and admitted to everyone why he did it. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to see more, more of how, more little things of how how Cassian becomes the assassin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably want I'd like to see some um, because this show between this and Rebels, you see the um, formation of the actual Rebel Alliance, not just the Rebel cells. I want to see the see them start bringing the um, different cells together because uh, we know at some point in the next five years, it, they show it in Rebels. But Mon Mothma leaves the Senate to basically um, go rebellion full time. Mm-hmm. And um, there's some other things that we see in Rebels. So some connective tissue maybe between Rebels and this. Just a li- just something here or there. Yeah, I think if we get that, that will be in season two. That would be fascinating because then you see uh, real uh, real live actions of Hera. I don't know if you would or not. Because you yeah. don't have to do that type of stuff to have the – they just heard about this happened over in this area. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you got the ghost in Rogue One. Yeah, you got Chopper yeah. also. We we yeah. have we have so more. Possible. Mm-hmm. Well, they yeah, could that, drop a reference to Sato. Um, uh, you know, yes. because he's the you know he's running Phoenix Squadron. Right. Um, over in that sector of the galaxy, the Rebels, you know, where Rebels takes place. Um, and he was a higher up, so there could be some reference to Sato at some point. Well, well it, also it, Chopper and Hera too the references them in Rogue One. Horses right after Rebels ends. Yeah. Before they cut um, to the, the jump in time to the battle to after the Battle of Endor. We know in the second half of the season at some point we're getting Saw Guerrera. What's yep. the chances we see he's got a teenage warden running around the base with him? Hmm. Jin, yeah. Jin Urso, and actually, we bring in, um, I don't remember off the top of my head her name, but the actress who played Jin Urso, and she's actually standing in the background there. For for me, whether whether they speak or not, I want to see them in the. I want to see them on screen with dealing with Luthen, Doctor Afro. Ooh. Oh, that'd be nice. Oh, that would be awesome. Possibly. That be that cool. time while she's still yeah. in the academy, still doing this groundwork before she goes full fledged Empire, which this would uh, be that time period where that would happen with her. I didn't think of that. Yes, that would be cool. So that would be cool. Um, before we wrap up the show, I'm gonna flip the tables. We have. The gang of Brown Squadron of the Hyperspace Heroes chance to ask us a question. Ooh, jeez, uh, put us on the spot. Um, I know, right? So, uh, okay, well, actually, you know what, guys, we can go with what we typically ask, uh, which is uh, first question we always ask anytime we have a guest on is, "What does Star Wars mean to you?" Who wants to go first, guys. Not it. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, I shall go first then. Star Wars. Um, 
has has been a big part of my life since I was three years old. That's when the movie came out. And, you know, I've always had the toys and everything. Um, and it's, it's always, it's always been one of my favorite movies and stories and sagas of all time. It is how I met my best friend who I do my other podcast with. We've been friends for over 40 years because, uh, one day he, came into my driveway and I was playing with Star Wars toys and so he was also a Star Wars fan and uh, that's how we bonded initially and uh, yeah just I just I've always had a love not just for the movies and everything but just the entire universe that encompasses Star Wars uh, that's why I do enjoy stories like Andor or Mandalorian or whatever because it's not just about the Skywalkers. There's there's a whole, whole other universe underneath it, and I really enjoy reading and seeing and 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 discussing and and thinking about that other the rest of the universe as well. There's just so much there. Yeah. I don't know. For me, um, Star Wars is probably my number number one or tied for number one fandom of stuff that I enjoy. But I I love Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, um, DC, Marvel in general, geekdom. And uh, for me, it's something that um, gives me a chance to, especially uh, the things on the entertainment side, that gives me something to get away from what's going on everywhere else. I I enjoy watching something that doesn't remind me of the real world. The real world's all jacked up and messed up, and I understand everything that's going on out there, but this is something you don't have to worry about that for an hour or two. Sit back and relax and take your mind off of everything else. Hey, you know what, Ken? Scruffy would like to have an in-depth conversation about your love of Star Trek, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't have Star any Trek. problem with Star Trek or either, so. <laughs> Neither do I. Yeah. Um, I remember for a long time when Star Wars Star wasn't Trek. around, there was Star Trek. Yep. And then when Trek starts mm-hmm. to die off, Star Wars got stronger. Now, for some reason, they're all happening at the same time. It's a little weird. Yeah, but you got to remember, <laughs> if, it Star- wasn't, if it wasn't for the Star success. Star Wars is how I met my best friend. Star Trek is how I bonded with my dad. If it wasn't for Star Wars, the Star Trek movies would have never have happened. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's so, um, can you ask your question again? Because sure. I think there's something about the wording that I wanted to hit. What does Star Wars mean to you? Okay. What Star Wars means to me is my career. It wasn't because of Star Wars, seeing it as a kid, being so driven by the way it sounded, the way it looked. I would have never thought about pursuing a career in entertainment, which I've been in the entertainment industry over 36 years, I think. 86, yeah, about 36 years uh, with 25, almost 25, well, with 24 of those years working at Walt Disney World. Um, where I, I've been an audio engineer for majority of that 36 years. So uh, awesome. to be able to have met the likes of Matthew Wood, Ben Burt, and go from fan celebrity to hear conversations with them um, have been great uh, when I've met them at shows. Um, to I, Ben Burt's an inspiration. Uh, I, I will not use the, the terms idol or mentor because uh, can't be a mentor. I never worked with him. He's not an idol. I, I reserve that for my parents and my grandparents. Um, he, he's, he's been an inspiration or was an inspiration for me to get into this business. I've had many other inspirations since then, but he's been the biggest inspiration of why I got into this business. So Star Wars is what led to my career and my livelihood. So, um, and now to, to be at a place where I could actually play in it 
a lot more as well. Uh, just makes my days off so much happier. <laughs> That's awesome. Sure. Very cool. So, uh, DB or Scruffy, any questions? What would you like to see less out of uh, this um, road herb and or? Less? <laughs> less. I think for me, I guess, a slow tempo. Let's pick it up a little. Whether there's action or not, let's, let's pick up the tempo a little bit. Because if, if it's a little faster moving, even without action, I'd be okay. But you know, with, with, it, with it being, you know, the slow vibe, I, I almost feel like it, as much as I like Gilroy's stuff, I, I'm almost getting that Joss Whedon vibe with the way he handled like Firefly and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. First, first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Drug, so slow. And then it, and then the tempo just picked up. Action or no action, when the tempo picked up, the show became more entertaining. We started to get the pickup. Um, episode six picked up immensely with the heist. Had a little action. Had and even the parts where there was no action, the tension helped with the with the help of the build of the tempo. Keep that going. Is this all? Um, is the other show this kind of reminds me of a little bit too? Or the other two shows is Alias with Jennifer Garner and Dark Angel. Jessica Alba almost has the same similar vibes as well. Again, other great spy sci-fi type shows. Um, and and I, I think, actually, I feel more Dark Angel than I do Alias, but still some similarities. It, it's pick up the tempo, action, no action. The show will be more tension-filled, more exciting. I think that's what I want to see less of. It's a slow tempo. Let's, let's pick it up. Mine's a little um, lighter on that. It's just less cereal eating cereal. <laughs> I mean, come on. His mom only buys one thing when she goes to the store. That's the only thing he, that she has in the cupboard is that stupid cereal. Bring on the space <laughs> we've, seen three, we've seen him eat three or four times, and it's always cereal and blue milk. Every time. Yeah, I've got the recipe to, to turn that cereal into marshmallow treats. Oh, yes. We saw it. I've got to do it. <laughs> i got to find the blue puffs. <laughs> Oops, all berries. True. And, and, and blueberry cereal's out right now, too. Yeah, yeah, but that's not puffs. No, no but it still worked. It was, yeah, it would still work. It turned the milk still. blue. Mm-hmm. All right. Eric, what do you want to see less of? Uh, um, I don't know. Okay. I don't really have anything. Okay. All right. So that was DB who asked that, correct? That was Scruffy. Scruffy. DB, your question? So bring us home, DB. Well, I, I'm going to go with a question we, we ask our guests on our show, and Tell me your first Star Wars memory. Oh, that's easy on mine. Me too. It's, um, Return of the Jedi on the big screen. Getting out, we got out of home, out of school. For, um, my dad got got off work at four thirty every day, and we got out of school, took off, and um, met him at the theater. And we walked in right as R two and three PO rolling up to the front door of the palace. Eric, my first memory is the opening scene of A New Hope. When the when the the star destroyer flew over after the after the uh, Tantive Four, just that moment when I was just that's when I was hooked. I was like, "This is so cool!" Uh, favorite Star Wars moment? You said first first memory first, first memory. first memory. Being six years old, summer I turned seven in seventy seven, and my parents taking my brother and I the local to the closest drive-in movie theater where it was showing. It was a double feature, Star Wars followed by Star Wars. And I stayed up to watch both shows. So I was hooked from the start. Awesome. And it was because of, like Derek said, Tantra 5, yeah, that Star Destroyer coming on screen. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And then Vader blasting through. Yeah. Hook, mm-hmm. sink, out. Mm-hmm. I think hooked the, right three, the, 
the three of you have very similar first memories to the three of us. Before we go, my final question for you guys, where can they find you guys online on your show? Absolutely. So uh, we're on the big three social Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Hyperspace Heroes Podcast. Uh, you can also get a hold of us on our email at brownsquadron at gmail.com. Um, you can reach us on anchor.fm uh, as well under Hyperspace Heroes Podcast. And then uh, the we broadcast the show on all your favorite podcast uh, services. So Excellent. Uh, if you want to email the show here, email us at wookieradio at gmail.com. Find us at Wookie Radio on Twitter and Instagram. And on that note, only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jets, I can hold it. Pull out! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>